Hey everybody, my name is Pat Cohan with AD Insider, and for this Thursday 30, presented by Huddle, we dive into three topics. One, the 2023 tech trends. Two, the NIAAA certification experience. And three, fundraising ideas and tips from coaches who have used them and love them. Also, we're gonna give you a sneak peek into our brand new docu-series where we went to three of the top athletic departments in the country to give you an inside look into their unique history, community, and facilities. This project is something we're super proud of, and we really hope you tune in to episode one, launching February 2nd. Before we dive into all of this, we do want to thank our partner in this episode, and that's Huddle. Huddle is the leader in sports tech. With Huddle's athletic department package, you can equip your program with tools that work together to empower every coach, team, and athlete. Huddle is constantly innovating to grow the impact high schools have on their communities. With their new live streaming platform, you can enhance the fan experience and unlock revenue generation opportunities. Coaches get the film they need with best-in-class indoor, outdoor, and flex hands-free cameras. And athletes can show their skills with highlight creation tools. If you haven't already done so, go to huddle.com slash insider to learn how you can do more for your coaches, teams, and athletes with an athletic department package from Huddle. Thanks so much for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this AD Insider Thursday 30. What piece of technology do you think every athletic director needs to look into, upgrade, or evaluate how they're using it? So in my opinion, I think the, the, the biggest thing that, that ADs have to learn how to use is social media and how to use it in your favor, right? So it's not going away. That's where our kids are. Uh, for me, the use of social media is a way for me to connect with my kids on another platform that they're not used to, right? So having a conversation with kids isn't the same as what it once was, right? So I can, I can reach kids through social media that I can't reach face-to-face. And it's amazing. Um, the, the ability that I have and the reaction I get from kids through social media is way different than, than in, in person. What's the next thing you want implemented when it comes to technology at your school? We learned today in our workshop session about Google Voice, where you can send messages to individuals about certain things that are going on at event contests. I'm sure that's going to enhance itself by the time we get into next fall, if you will, because technology is ever-changing and ever-growing. So we want to make sure that we maintain a consistent platform, a consistent base for our community. What piece of technology in your school do you think has innovated your processes the most? So I really like, we work with Huddle. Uh, we've been with Huddle for several years, and it kind of just keeps evolving every year. And now they're coming with Huddle TV. It's coming, you know, it's up and coming, and we're, we're getting signed on that. We're going to be using that. Are you a beta user of that? Because that's not fully public, is it? No, nah, it's not yet. I mean, it is, but it's, it's up and coming, and it's great. How is your school embracing all the new streaming technologies? The funny thing is, is now if you don't stream a game or you don't stream an event, people are asking you, like, where can I find it? Why aren't you streaming it? So we've adopted it. We've embraced it and said, listen, we're going to do anything that's in our gyms or in our stadiums is going on a camera because at least we can now we can reach people again on another platform. It seems to be a theme in all of this. How do you connect with the people you serve more, whether yeah. it is it in the building, on social media, through streaming? The, the, all your answers kind of link up to that big point. What's really interesting is, you know, it's the grandparents that I hear hear from that are outside our state. They've never had an opportunity to watch their kids 
uh, their grandkids perform. I'll get phone calls from San Antonio or Texas or Florida. Hey, is this game going to be streamed tonight? Because I never get a chance to see Jimmy or Joey or whoever it is uh, play a game. But this is awesome. I get an opportunity now. And so there's another connection there when little Jimmy says, hey, Grandma really got to see me play. and It was awesome. I think streaming is a big factor, and it's, it's more of a factor because – I think people assume that the folks that are streaming are those that are not going to come to the game and they're just going to watch it at home. What I found is that a lot of people like to go back and find the on-demand footage and watch the games over. And you got some parents, it's their opportunity to be a, a coach in the background because you can watch film with the kid. So I think streaming isn't going away. We're going to use it and it does allow us to see maybe another school that you're scouting or just another family member across the country that you want to support. So I think streaming is important and I don't think it's going anywhere. I think there's positives and negatives to streaming, I do. Um, we learned so much from the pandemic about the benefits of streaming and being able to reach an audience that sometimes we don't reach on a regular basis. But I think also we become very uh, complacent almost and we get too used to the fact that we can watch our events on a screen instead of being there in person. Have you lost any fans? No. We have not. Because that was a big fear. Everybody's like, hey, well, if we stream, then people aren't going to come. We do have some fans that, you know, they would rather stay at home, which is fine. You know, we still want your support, whether you're face-to-face -face or streaming. Uh, but we know we haven't seen any loss of fans uh, from that aspect. For you, what's a good stream? Meaning viewership-wise. One that doesn't go out. Well, yeah, that, that part, for <laughs> One sure. One that I don't get a text from parents, hey, I can't see the game today, or, or my, grandma, my grandma can't watch it. Oh. But I tell you what, with Huddle, I don't have that issue. I will say that. It's easy to keep going. The cameras are fixed for us, and uh, I just have to turn it on. And now I've loaded it where whenever we have a home game, it automatically loads and automatically goes out. So it's kind of like the old-school rotisserie chicken commercial, right? I just set it and forget it and everything rolls. What piece of technology in your school do you think has innovated your processes the most? One of them is digital ticketing. That all came up through uh, the COVID era and uh, we're still staying with it. Most everybody, we see the benefits. People can prepay. Uh, you can really limit your crowd sizes, know who's there. And it gives people the ability to uh, not have to pay with cash. So they can pay with a, their credit card, which more and more people are going to. So the online ticketing is big. How are you evolving digital ticketing? Like there is, okay, well you get a ticket and then you go into the game, but how are you trying to push it to the next level? What other things either you're doing or you're looking to do in the future? So we, we really use tic digital ticketing for our booster sales. We use uh, digital ticketing for season passes now for us. Um, so we are truly trying to use that exclusively as the way for, for people to to access our events. Uh, we use it for uh, dances now. We sell all our ticketing uh, for dances, our digital ticketing, all our registrations for uh, graduation and, and uh, parent invites, all that stuff is done through di digital ticketing. So we went from just athletics to it's almost a school-wide, a district-wide um, registration and ticketing process. If you run into an event where you've got a sold-out crowd and you need to shut things off, that's probably been the biggest benefit to us. But I like to see the real-time data of who's coming, who's buying tickets, um, being able to help folks out at the gate. And uh, I think it's kind of helping our older spectators get accustomed to technology. And I'm glad we have the opportunity to do that too. Digital ticketing is evolving 
uh, daily for us. We're going to use it this spring, not just in our athletic events, but we're going to use it for prom. Uh, we have found that obviously all of us are connected to our mobile devices, and so they're not going to lose that ticket because they're not going to lose their mobile device. And as that continues to grow and as that continues to enhance, we're going to look for different ways on how to use our mobile ticket platforms to share that, not just in athletics, but in all of our extracurricular activities. Why did you choose to pursue a CAA or a CMAA? So I chose uh, CMAA project primarily because I think professional development is very important in our career. Um, too many people don't really know what we do. And so this helps me to understand that the things that I'm doing are the best practices in the field. It was really important to me to make sure that what it is that I think is important is truly important at a broader scale. And having someone be able to look at my project and say, yes, Joe, what you're doing for your district and your kids is exactly what should be done as far as best practices in our field. Is there a class that stands out in your mind that had the biggest impact on you? I think dealing with challenging personalities is probably one of the ones that, that has been the biggest impact on me because we are constantly through this profession and education there are always going to be those challenging personalities and how are we going to help those challenging personalities to be successful with our student athletes and our students in our schools to help grow with them and be a productive member of society we'll go back all the way to 501 the very basic the foundations of what we do as athletic administrators, the core principles, the key topics. Uh, any of the 700 classes that I've taken along the way have been very, uh, very valuable for me. I really have enjoyed 720 because that's where we're teaching others to teach. And when you can learn those methods and those practices as well, but 501, the foundation, the very beginning, uh, really kind of set the tone and the base for where we are today. Insurance, liability, lawsuits, those kind of things, all the law issues that every AD has to be aware of uh, to keep yourself out of litigation. Uh, you know, supervision, uh, making sure things are safe, uh, equipment, fields, all those are super important. And those things will get you in trouble about as fast as anything. So learning about all the insurance, litigation, liability is super important. That was one of the best classes for me. The one word that describes my certification process is, is impact. Uh, it's made a huge impact on my life. I've met so many different people through all the different courses with networking and, and, and also through this national conference. Enlightening. So you think you know what you're doing and you think you know the best way to do things. And then you take a couple courses and you start to learn that there's multiple ways to go about your job and the way you were doing it was okay but now it's better if I try another different direction. So it was very enlightening for me to go through that process. Valuable. It was a valuable process because it helped me to understand and put some words with the importance of being in this position as an athletic administrator to be able to just show folks that what we do means something. It means something to our communities, to our schools, and it just shows how much value we add in this position. So I believe it was a valuable process to just go through it and be able to put really some meat behind what it is that we do. What is one of the biggest benefits that you as an AD have found through the certification process? One of the benefits that I've had is simply through networking. 
the opportunity because when you have a distinction, when you have a designation with you, you've, you've had an opportunity to be able to do more outreach, whether it's involvement, whether it's uh, speaking, whether it's teaching, any of the opportunities to continue to learn have come from a result of me obtaining my certification. If I have a question or if I'm going through something that I can pick up the phone and, and call someone in Indiana or call someone in Kentucky or call someone in Hawaii, that I know that there's definitely some people that I can reach out to um, that have probably gone through similar situations as, as like I have. I thought it was really important to be certified as an athletic administrator through a national organization. That doing my job was wonderful to get a generalized master's degree, but to be considered a certified athletic administrator, certified master athletic administrator, really gave me the extra tools to become better at my job. The certification process itself is growing. The challenges that we had back when this first started with obtaining a CMAA have already changed. You've gone from written reports to now you're able to do video presentations or stand in front of a group of your peers and gather that insight and share what you've learned. And so as technology grows, so does the certification process. How has certification affected your day-to-day -day operations and planning as an athletic director? It really has. At the end of the day, the certification hasn't changed who I am or how I do things. It has just solidified that what I'm doing is the right thing for kids. The certification process is like anything else. It's If you're not a, a lifelong learner, you're not getting better. Just do it. Just do it. You're already doing so much of this work. That certification really validates what it is that we do. So with the work that you're, you get through your your classes and learning and growing, and then you can apply that by being able to put that declaration behind your name of being a certified athletic administrator. It just means a lot. I think it carries a lot of weight here. And it, this is like a, a brotherhood, a sisterhood. And it's, you know, highly appreciated when you can see someone else who's putting that same work and dedication to the profession and just shows us how important that this is. When it comes to fundraising, what have you found to be the most successful in funding your teams? Yeah, so we raised uh, $55,000 last year. Uh, we do a poker tournament, um, and that raises between ten dollars and $15,000. It's a one-night event. Can you tell me a little bit more about it, how that works? Sure. So we're, we ask each player to, uh, to get one player you know, to uh, enter our poker tournament. We charge $100 uh, a player for the poker tournament. We also... Uh, charge a uh, food and beverage package so like a husband and wife can go maybe the husband plays poker and the wife eats and um, you know has a glass of wine you know so we charge like $35 for that. We, we create this hundred inning extravaganza and then the kids go out and ask people to kind of raise money hey I'm, I'm playing in this hundred inning event would you like to donate $25 for a single $50 for a double $75 for a triple and so when we're playing in the game, if you, when you get that, you're, you're having those people kind of fundraise and, and help the cost of whatever you know, we're trying to raise funds for. And that was very successful. We do a pre-sale with the car washes. Each, each player gets 20 tickets. They need to sell them for $5 each. So if you have 45 players, you know, uh, they're, they're each supposed to raise $100 through the car wash and the pre-sales. So you get $4,500 right there, 45 players with the $100. And then we get some, some nice walk-ups 
We made $2,500 at one car wash in, in additional walk-ups, $1,500, $2,000. So we make about twelve grand in four car washes, and we do that in the fall before uh, the baseball season starts. So if you were an athletic director that had to switch a school from being individually funded booster clubs to a centralized group, what would you do to avoid pushback from your coaches? Well, I think the the centralized booster club is is the team approach it's it's bringing you know for example the the badminton team which is much different than the baseball team like most of the time i don't i don't know what they need funds for but when you do a centralized booster it doesn't matter they come in and they say okay i need x amount of money for this whatever they need their piece of equipment and so i i feel like it's a collectively a better way to go because everybody's all working on on kind of the same level, if you will. Um, when I when we were doing the individualized boosters, it was almost like, hey, look how much money we're raising, and you know, it, it was more like a competition of, you know, who's raising more money and why do you need so much money and you know, so and I think that I've obviously or honestly developed some clicks in our in our athletic department where people were getting frustrated because how come such and such sport gets to raise more money than this sport? And so I, I think the, the, the unified booster club is the way to go. Now, sometimes you get a lot of support for one team, but the needs of other teams are higher on the list. How do you manage when funds come in, obviously from the success of program A, but your needs are really high for program B. You have a list, this is what we need, and you're looking for resources to fill them. So, but what happens often is despite your strategic plan to get things done, and maybe you have a list of this is one, two, three, four, something may come up. So you win a national championship. Well, you didn't plan on that, so you, but you still gotta go ahead and take advantage of that opportunity. You can't say, well, we won the national championship, but you know, baseball's needs are number 12 on our list. You gotta jump on that and take advantage of that opportunity at that time. And a lot of times you just can't be as choosy perhaps as you would wanna be because the opportunity has presented itself and you need to take advantage of it. And how do you do that? Well, you're, so in order to get people involved, you want to get out in front of them and to let them know what your needs are. Okay? If you've already won a championship, people are thinking, oh, all's good, your team's great, what could you possibly need? Well, you got to tell them what you need and let them know. And this is what, and let them know what you need and why you need it. How is it going to help your program? And a lot of times, at least at the college level, it's about recruiting. But it's also about the experience for your student athletes so that when they're on your campus, at your school, you can provide them with the best possible experience. And that's something that I think all athletic directors want to do is provide the best possible experience for their student athletes. My name is Pat Cohan and this is the AD Insider On Campus Series presented by Hometown Ticketing. In this series, we take you to the campuses of three of the top high school athletic departments in the country to give you an inside look at their history, communities, and facilities. Yeah. 
This is not a how-to or a step-by-step -step checklist. This is a deep dive into the individuals that make the unique high school sports experience possible. We at AD Insider are doing this to help schools across the country innovate their programs for the students they serve. We hope you enjoy.